In this episode of the podcast, we attempt to make sense of the 2016 election, I tackle a major musical misinterpretation, and Mark shares his pick from this week's Basket of Deplorables. I'm Mark. I'm Justin. And we are here bringing you the latest and greatest news from all around the greatest nation in the world, America. This is not a test. This is not a reality TV show. This is happening, America, and it's real. Theme song. We're back with our second podcast. I'm Justin. I'm Mark. Episode two. Uh, Mark's here. I'm Justin. And Justin's here. I'm here. And, uh, you know, Justin, what's been going on, man? Uh, well, I uh, I took in Rhode Island Comic Con last weekend. Sweet. Uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. I was there with the Massachusetts Ghostbusters, which is a charity costuming group. Awesome. Um, yeah, of Ghostbusters enthusiasts. And uh, thanks to Rhode Island Comic Con for having us. Uh, we were able to raise some money for Bay State Children's Hospital out in Springfield, Massachusetts. So uh, shout out to the Massachusetts Ghostbusters and everybody who donated and uh, helped us help some uh, worthy and deserving kids in a, a great hospital that's doing great work. Awesome. See, there's, there, there's so many good things happening across the country. Yeah. It's just a great time to be an American. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's just kind of nice that nothing, there's no big shakeups going on, or there's no real drama or any problems. No, no. Everybody's getting along just fine. We've made it through all the turmoil. It's the 21st century and everything is grand. And of, absolutely. And of course, we just had, <clears throat> we just had a major election. That's, that's right. Uh, round two of the Bulgarian national election. Absolutely. And winning by the popular vote was Ruman Radoff. Hey! hey! So congratulations to Ruman Radoff, who is now the president of Bulgaria, which basically means he doesn't do much. You did it. You made it through the Eliminator. Laser was shooting his tennis balls at you from the cannon. But, but you ducked. You dodged. You dived. You dodged. You did it. And you did not get hit with a monkey wrench. You did not get hit with a monkey wrench. And Rip Torn was not screaming at you. So that's a positive, too. Um, So, yeah. So that happened. That's really exciting. We read Facebook. We're on social media. So we we, we know what happened last week. We, We kind of... This was... Last week was basically, I think, the shock and awe campaign that former President Bush promised us all those years ago. That when we were kind of sitting there going, well, I'm not shocked and awed yet. I'm not shocked and awed yet. And, oh, Donald Trump. Really? Okay. See, see, on the other end of this, though, Mark, I'm not all that shocked. No, I'm really not either. And so uh, I... I um I don't get I don't get where uh, pundits and historians and and people in the media, I guess like ourselves, right, hosting a podcast, um, like oh I, just, I didn't see this coming how did this happen and it's I just I don't get that because he he used he who shall not be named president elect of the United States he used some pretty tried and true campaign methods it was a little it was a little Andrew Jackson. 
A little bit. It was a little. It was a little Eisenhower. Yep. It was a little. Uh, little George W. Bush. A little bit. A little Ronald Reagan. Although I will say this, I I I, I would want to have a beer with W. I would not want to have a beer with Donald Trump. No. No. He'd I probably don't. make me pay for it. Probably. Yeah. It'd probably be some kind of terrible import. Yep. His kids would be there. Yeah. So, well, I mean, if Ivanka's there, it wouldn't be, I guess it wouldn't be the end of the world. Careful, but, Mark. Careful. You know. We're a PG podcast. <laughs> yes, we are. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not all that surprising, especially, I mean, I guess all of those political pundits and, um, you know, analysts and forecasters didn't bother to take a look at um, reality TV ratings. Well, I mean, also that, and there's the the old adage of American politics. There's a great movie, The American President, written by our Alan's, uh, Aaron love, Sorkin. Love The American President. Yeah, it's a great moment, and, and there's this this uh, line in there where, uh, at the end, towards the end of the movie, where Michael Douglas goes on this tirade on national television. I guess it's not a tirade, but he looks into the camera and, and says, like, you go on television, you remind Americans of a great bygone age that never existed, and you look them square in the face and tell them things can be better, and that's how you win elections. That would pretty much sum up how Donald Trump Trump won this election. President-elect Trump. Oh, I said it. You said it. I said it. President-elect Trump. The the president-elect, you know, rode that that strategy on the back of a lot of frustration. And uh, yeah, there's just a lot of anger and fear right now. And uh, I, I don't follow that narrative. Um, and there's a lot of mudslinging, a lot of names being thrown around on both sides. And uh, there's this desire to like slap a label on everybody a liberal or a conservative a republican a democrat a racist a bigot well and that's been happening for years because it's it's just so much easier to do that when you're not face to face with somebody and you're just behind your computer tweeting or making different comments or on behind your media boards or behind your microphone in the comforts of uh our home but you know i think one of the biggest takeaways I've taken from this election is just how important the the progress we have made in our country has been to so many millions of people. And it's really easy to say, and it's really easy to, th- to think about. Um, but it's another thing to be living that life day in, day out, minding your own business, wanting to have what every other American wants, the American dream, the ability to work, the ability to have shelter, eat food, drink water, um, have the Internet, you know, drink beer, um, watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. <laughs> well, that's a that's a great segue, not Keeping Up with the Kardashians, but, you know, you're talking nobody about the, can keep up with the Kardashians. That is true. Let's be honest. Um, that, I think that is a, a, a good jumping off point here um, about the American dream because there's a whole generation of people who were promised an American dream that if they worked hard, if they got a good factory job, if they graduated from high school, if they paid into the system that they would be taken care of and provided for by government. Um, and Correct. And that is, that is proven to not be true. 
Um, as industry has overwhelmingly left the United States, people have been left behind. There's a generation that was promised pr- prosperity um, that just has not seen that take shape. Social security. It, rapidly fading. You know, is it going to be intact? Is it going to be around forever? Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to I want to draw attention to just a couple things that I think will uh, maybe frame what happened in the election in another light. And I want to do that with uh, McDowell, West Virginia. Are you familiar with McDowell, Mark? Uh, never been there. It's, uh, it's, in, it's a county in West Virginia. And in the primary process and in the general election, 91.8% of residents of McDowell County voted for Donald Trump. That is a resounding majority. It is, and it should have set off some some alarms during the primary process for a lot of people. But McDowell was the number one producer of coal in the United States ah. um, in the post-war era. And in 1960, it had already kind of fallen on hard times. And John F. Kennedy actually campaigned there and made a promise to the miners in McDowell County that if they voted for him, if they elected him, he would help them out. And McDowell County, West Virginia, was actually the test case for the modern uh, food stamp, Medicare, and Medicaid programs. It was designed with McDowell County in mind. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so coming from a coal country, they they must not be big fans of um, the calls for climate change and solar power. It is certainly not played out well there economically for Probably the residents. Probably not. So Kennedy visits there. He campaigns. He wins. And we put these programs into place. And over the next... 50 years, we see that these programs simply are not enough to help many of the people living there. And conditions in McDowell County are on par with uh, Ethiopia. Life expectancy for an adult male in McDowell County, West Virginia, is on par with an adult male in Ethiopia. Um, In fact, like Walmart couldn't survive there. The only Walmart in McDowell closed on January 17th, 2016. That's really bad when Walmart's closing. Walmart's supposed to be like the last bastion of hope for right, people. Right. And I mean they roll back prices all the time. <laughs> yes, they they do. <laughs> they do. Um so McDowell County, Pennsylvania, uh, West Virginia is kind of uh an extreme case of many of these uh American industrial epicenters that are now part of what we call the Rust Belt, the decaying husk of the American engineering and manufacturing heart. And this is what, and this is exactly what was our strength. Yes. Not very long ago in the vast scope of history. We're not talking about hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. We're talking a few decades. Right. And our industrial strength, now our political weakness. Because these are people who are overwhelmingly have been left behind and are hopeless in every sense of the word. Now, in 2008, uh, President Obama actually promised a whole new generation of green technology manufacturing jobs that were supposed to be infused into places like McDowell. And despite his best efforts, that just did not materialize. Um, there isn't enough of an infrastructure there to make that happen. And, and green technologies are, moving, are emerging slowly. Right. Not to mention, you've got a whole generation of a, the, a working system, a working class, who don't necessarily have that skill set. So it has to be learned. Right. They're not young people. They are not necessarily as easily trainable as government training programs are designed to 
um, you know, facilitate transition into new trades. Not as technologically savvy. Not as technologically savvy. And in many cases, can't read or write. Went right into the mine out of grade school. And so we, we missed that. We missed that in our towers of liberal comfort in these epicenters of, of urban activity, we are very, we've become insulated from the larger version of America that out there that is removed from the comforts of our, our urban conveniences. And it's funny because it, it's almost become a chicken and egg syndrome, if you will, because for so long, we, we haven't exactly done right by all groups of people in in the country whether your whatever your 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 sexual preferences what your 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 what religion you practice what um you know what the color of your skin is what your social economic class is you know i it, it's it, you know most people what i've heard i've heard people say we're a divided country right now i don't think we're divided by one line right now. Interestingly enough, we are, and it's a, a rural and urban line. It's a rural and urban line. But within that, those rural, rural and urban lines, there are so many different factions. We're so consumed with our own little economic bubbles. And especially today, when you think about what's on, what everybody's on every day, Facebook, social media, Right. Everything that's on your that's on your feed, even your Google searches, everything is catered to what you want to consume. Right, it's not catered to you. It's catered to you. It's not necessarily catered to what is actually going on around the country. So you don't get the full story. You don't get to see the other side. No, you live in your little bubble. Exactly. That's not excusing the other side from being, you know, uh, abhorrible. But what it does is it presents an interesting situation where you can actually be blindsided because it, it, it just becomes a big awakening to you when you sit there and go, what, 60-some million people think this guy should be our president? Where did I miss that? How? And I think that's what— But we did miss it. But we did miss it, we exactly. Did. And we missed it because— 60 million people said this guy should be president, and then another 60 million people said this woman should be president, and then 100 million Americans stayed home and didn't vote. 100 million Americans, half the electorate, stayed home and just didn't vote. They didn't vote for anybody. And that's just, that's kind of ridiculous. I mean, some people showed up and voted for Harambe. Actually, Harambe. it's 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 funny. I actually read an article uh, a couple of days ago that actually they they're tallying it to over eleven thousand people voted Harambe to be our president. For those that don't know, Harambe is a unfortunate dead gorilla. Harambe, Harambe. <laughs> but you think about and you think about when people say not every vote matters. You know what? In this election. It mattered because there were counties and there were situations where an electorate flipped over a couple dozen votes, over 100 votes. When I was watching CNN and uh, Fox News cover the election and started calling states, you would see one for at one moment 
Clinton was leading New Hampshire. An hour later, Trump took the lead by 15 votes. Now listen, I'm, I'm only 31 years old, but still, I have never seen that before. When you're talking about counties and states with hundreds of thousands, millions of people, you're talking about a dead heat between two presidential candidates that are flip-flopping every 20 or 30 minutes by 15, 20 votes? Folks, what, what, what more influence do you need to show you that your vote matters? But this is the thing, Mark, because the deciding votes that, that cast the election the way it was were the 100,000 people that stayed home because you can have millions of people turning out voting for a specific candidate, but ultimately that's not how our candidates are chosen in America. We have the Electoral College, right? which very simplistically, you get as many electors as you do representatives and senators. So in Rhode Island, we get we have two representatives, we have two senators, we get four we get, electoral, four. We get right. four electoral votes. And of course, because this is also the second time in the last 16 years, in the last four presidential elections, that we've actually had a candidate win the popular vote, but not become our president. But here's the conceit of the Electoral College, Mark. The popular vote is taking some total of the United States and saying, like, 60.5 million people voted for Hillary Clinton and 60.3 million people voted for Donald Trump. It works based on your county apportionment of where your elector in your county that you're voting for or your district or your ward or whatever your state has is is totaled. So that that general election giant number of people that are voting for a candidate is very misleading because, for instance, in, in Chicago... Uh, Illinois, overwhelmingly more people voted for Hillary Clinton in Chicago, Illinois, than anywhere else in the state of, of Illinois. Right. But then if you look at Illinois itself, county by county, county by county, more people voted for Donald Trump. And because your your county determines where your elector is and your representation, the more counties that vote for Donald Trump, it, it winds up it winds up balancing it out. And that's the whole purpose of the electoral colleges that the majority of a state doesn't get trumped for lack of a better term. No, no pun intended. You know, we need to start, we need to, somebody needs to build a website and it, it, it just seriously call it trumped.com. And just every time somebody in the media uses our president elect's name, as a pun on the American people getting trumped, we just need to have a counter. Can it I, just needs to be a, there just needs to be a tally. Can I um can I share something? Yes. I'm I'm running the drumfinator on my computer. <laughs> you know do you know what that is? Yes, I do. Okay. For those of you who don't know, it's a program that was created by um John John Oliver's nightly show. Um and it it changes Donald Trump's last name to his family's actual name when they emigrated to the United States, which was Drumpf. And so every time the word Trump appears anywhere in an article or a search on my computer, it is it is corrected to Drumpf. Do you mean Trump was an immigrant, too? Uh, his grandfather. Yeah. Really? Austria, I believe. Austrian immigrant no after kidding. World War Two. Yeah. And he's the one who wants stricter immigration laws. Hey, and- our, our first our first lady is a, is a naturalized American citizen. How's that? I I would call that hypocritical, but... Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how... uh, We'll have to see. President Trump differs from candidate Trump. Yeah, this is is very true. This is very true. But just just to finish on this this election, this electoral college thing, you know, 
if, if you want to understand what's happening in our country, it's the Hunger Games, right? So <laughs> we're, we're sitting in this, we're the cities of Penem. You know, we're, we're sitting with our crazy hairdos and our crazy makeup and, and people's outfits bursting into flames. We're watching the Hunger Games. And the, the people who are voting for Trump live in the districts. You know, District, District 12 just overthrew the, the electorate of, of Penem. Yeah. Right. So no, it's very, it's very we're, true. We're, we're, we're the empire and we're star Wars. We're sitting in our shiny star destroyers. Yeah. We're sitting in our, with our shiny space helmets and Luke Skywalker in, in his T 16 skyhopper. He's shooting womp rats. Right. You know, well, and that's, and that's the thing. And so to, and I mean, to the people of the rust belt and to the people in the Bible belt and in rural America, that's what it looks like to them. It does. And and your voice was heard loud and clear. Yes, we, it was. We hear you. And for the people that do live in more of an urban atmosphere who, you know, feel a sense. And, and it's, it's an interesting debate because you never want to sit there and go one side is wrong versus the other. Both sides have valid points. I think where the divide happens and where the – the, the tension rises and all of the anger and the frustration and the hate as you're seeing demonstrations nationwide, you're seeing, you, you know, hate crimes rising. You're just seeing this lashing out, not just of one side, but everybody just going going mental because you're you're seeing a convergence of so many of different ideolo- ideologies and it's breed it it breeds hate and it breeds anger because people don't understand this side people don't understand the other side you know people just and, and people become judgmental and people become hateful and spiteful not because you're a bad person or not because you're a person that doesn't contribute to society but there's something wrong with there I'm not getting what I need there must be something wrong with with somebody else it becomes a very it becomes the the lack of tangible human rights when you, when you think about what we all want we all want our families to be supported we all want shelter we all want food we all want water we all want the ability to succeed we all want to be able to give our children a better life but when that's not when you work as hard as you can or you think you're working as hard as you can and you don't get it you don't get what the people at the top say you can get well even not even the people at the top but the people the people living in a different area of the country who by merit they are closer to the social services i'm sorry not by merit by proximity they're living right. to the social services and they're they're getting a, a hand up right and that's no that's no more evident, evident than when you take a step back from the state statewide electoral college map and you look at the voter turnout and the voting on a nationwide county survey right that was the most amazing thing to me that's really what looked at looked to me and signaled to me saying here like this wasn't a close election at all i I mean trump dominated that map is red and the and this is again for those who are crying out and signing the petition that's out there now to dis to, to get rid of the electoral college is it probably a system that's outdated and needs to be reformed maybe it should certainly be taken a look at but 
if you get rid of the Electoral College, three-quarters, four-fifths of the nation is always going to fall by the wayside because the concentrated city areas that have the greatest populations are going to always, not always, but for a majority of the time, always win. And that's exactly what the Electoral College should protect against. Right. Interestingly enough, the Electoral College actually, not only did it function properly, but it actually functioned in the way that the founders intended. Whereas if not for the Electoral College, as as you said, the majority of people who voted for a candidate and actually turned out in their areas would have lost. And just by numbers, another candidate that overwhelmingly the country did not vote for would have won. Right. So while many of us don't agree with the outcome of the election, ironically, the Electoral College served its purpose. So I have a real hard time when I see in people's feeds on social media, sign this petition for the Electoral College to switch their vote. You're, you're asking people to do the opposite of what integrity and law and practice and function is telling them they should do. The, yeah. the, electoral, the Electoral College here didn't mess up. We messed up by not voting, by, by not being informed. You know, if this election highlighted anything, it's the ignorance of, of the American voter in terms of the political mood of the country. Not just the political mood of the country, but the, so, the social mood of the country. Right. And, not, and again, going back to what we were saying before about just stepping out of your bubble and getting out and, see, and seeing the country and seeing the world. And it's really easy to say it, but it's not easy to do because it is a, it is a scary world out there. And it is a scary time right now for a lot of different people who are, are just forced to question everything that they thought was true or they thought was happening. And that's unfortunate. And that, I mean, that's, that stinks. And I think the more we can sit here and talk about it and look each other in the eye and have a debate about these things and educate ourselves on these things, the better we'll be able to understand each other. You know, the, the, the interesting thing that I found as well was the demographics of voters. Yeah. Cause I work, because I worked in TV for years. So I was always looking at demographics. Uh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta have this. Yeah. You, you gotta have this demographic for, you know, watching your show. You got to appeal to this demographic. You got to appeal to that demographic. And my goodness, how many times are you watching all these news programs? Well, Clinton appeals to this demographic and Trump appears, appeals to this demographic and this group of people and this group of people. Here's the bottom line. This election came down to millennials Versus baby boomers. Yeah. And uh, even if you look at this uh, in terms of rural versus urban or black versus white or Christian versus Muslim versus Jewish versus Taoist, whatever, overwhelmingly this came down to age, millennials versus baby boomers. And there are still just more boomers than there are millennials. Well, actually, not necessarily because there are. But the the, 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 num- the sheer number of millennials over- overwhelmingly has a, a, a larger number than baby boomers. Right. I, believe, I believe baby boomers are around, and there, there is, granted, there are some millennials out there who just aren't old enough to vote yet. Right. This is the truth. But when you're looking at, uh, w- when you're looking at a, a generational gap like that, it's like, where did millennials come from? We came from baby boomers. 
baby boomers, our parents, our grandparents were the ones that instilled values and morals in us. And yet here we are voting, voting totally yin and yang. Sorry, Mark. I'm not a millennium. I'm I'm Oregonian. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Trust me. I don't like, I, I don't like saying I'm a millennial either considering I was, I was born very far away from the millennium. However, do you, do you know what Oregonians are? From Oregon? It's a, it's a term <laughs> to identify people who grew up using computers but didn't grow up as digital natives. Right. So like you, you learned how to manipulate the non-digital world and you don't necessarily know how to program and you don't necessarily know how to um, code. But uh, So like it refers to the Oregon Trail. So like you grew up using computers, but you don't really know how to use them. You're not like a digital native. You came to use them later in life. Yeah. I mean, the Oregon Trail was kind of like the greatest thing ever growing up in, in school. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Dysentery sucked. It really did. It really did. Especially especially when you were a little kid and you actually decided to look up what dysentery is. I had a nickel every time I died from dysentery. You'd have a boatload of nickels? I would have a boatload of nickels that I could yeah. float across the Snake River. Yeah. Okay, I distracted you. You were giving us some demographics on millennials and baby boomers. Yes, no, I was. And the fact of the matter is this. Millennials, age 18 to 29, overwhelmingly voted Clinton. 55%. And splitting that gap between millennials and your Generation Ys and your Oregonians, 50% age 30 to 44 still voted for Clinton. Comparing to those who are 45 to 64 or 65 and older... 53% voted Trump. So that tells me one of two things. Either there's a whole lot of people aged 45 and older in this country who don't understand the concept of vote of hating the Washington elites and wanting to vote non-elitist, so they voted for an elitist. Or there's a whole lot of millennials who didn't go out and vote. I'm, I'm, that was my question. How many of that, that, that 50% of millennials must be a much smaller pool of people who voted that hundred thousand Americans who didn't vote. The majority of that hundred thousand must be millennials. And that's the, and that's the disappointing thing about our generation is that, you know, you sit, you, you, you sit there and go, Oh, well, I'm sick of voting for the lesser of two evils. I, I, I don't like either candidate. What are you sick of sick of voting for the lesser of two evils for? You've only been electing you've only been electing presidents for how many years? But the, there's a problem in that this lesser of two evil arguments in that we had a pool of candidates that were twelve deep on the Republican side and five deep on the Democratic side. Yeah, and and these were the candidates we arrived at by by the Democratic process. I mean, you there's had a whole... you had more than two presidential candidates to vote for. Yes. In every state. I heard there was this interesting statistic. Bernie Sanders was actually a certified writing candidate on the ballot in 28 states. If all 28 of those states had voted for him, he would have won with 313 electoral votes. That's amazing. And that's why. And and not even being on the ballot. Yeah. And this is my and this is my contention to that uh, that infographic you might have seen on social media that says, hey, if if only millennials voted, Clinton would have won by over would have won over 500 electoral votes. People still would have broken with the like the two party process and wrote in candidates and voted for libertarians and voted for the Green Party. It's just not it's it's just not or voted for Harambe 
or voted for Mickey, or <laughs> Harambe or voted for Mickey Mouse or voted for Tom Brady or voted for Abe Lincoln. I don't vote for tyrants or dictators. No. Abe Lincoln doesn't get my vote. But that's why it's 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 an interesting thing and it's it's something that needs to be debated about and needs to be continually talked about because the fact of the, the fact of the matter is if if millennials were so enlightened and if millennials were so proactive and we were so progressive then Clinton would not have done worse among millennial voters than Obama did in key swing states and she would be the president. Well, that was ultimately her undoing. She did worse in those in those key swing states like your Ohio, your Florida, your Michigan, your Pennsylvania. She did worse among millennial voters than Obama did 4 years ago. And you know, if you look at the way each candidate campaigned, um, we were, we didn't we didn't count yard signs and we didn't count how many how many uh, speaking engagements that the candidates were holding. If we looked at that, there was a real problem with the campaign strategy of the Clintons. Um, They went to urban epicenters. They held a couple large rallies in urban centers trying to draw large numbers of people, whereas Donald Trump was going to the Rust Belt. He was going to the Midwest. He was spending time there. He was holding multiple rallies in these communities, and he was really engaging the people with this message of, of hope. And that's hard for us who are more liberal leaning to understand that his is a message of hope for people who feel like they've been left behind and who are angry and who feel disenfranchised in a world that they no longer understand, who played by the rules, uh, who paid into the system and have not seen you know, the benefits of that as they were promised. And that's why, and that's why the demographic is so important, because Trump tapped into that nostalgic, I know what you guys were promised and you didn't get it. I'm going to be the one to finally give it to you, which let's be honest. No, he's not. (laughs) Well, we'll have to see what president Trump does. We'll see. We'll see. Candidate Trump's been pretty, uh, pretty controversial. He has been. Let's hope that there's a difference between candidate Trump and uh, president elect Trump and then president Trump. So we're going to throw we're going to throw some infographics up on the website. We're going to give you a margins map of the electorate by county so you can get a sense of what we're talking about with these islands of liberal leaning people in a sea of red conservative areas of the country. We're going to throw our uh, infographics for the millennials and uh, and baby boomers up on the website so you can take a look at everything we've been talking about. Yep, they're all links. They're all out there on the news. We're just going to gather them and and make a and make it more tangible, so you can go check it out on our Facebook page or uh, up on our Twitter site or on our actual website. And you know, the final thing as a message to anybody who is uh, very scared right now, and there are millions of people out in our country right now who are scared, who are afraid. I can't really promise you that they won't be. I hope that I hope they won't be, um, but I will say that it's important to. I think it's important to us, and I think it's important to anybody who uh, has a, a a moral compass to understand that um, you know progress and progressive ideology uh, does not necessarily equate to basic human rights and the basic ideology of treating people as decent human beings and treating people the way you want to be treated. Have conversations with people. Don't label each other. 
absolutely. Last week was a shocking week. There's been a lot of people going to their different coping mechanisms, getting into their comforts to get through their shock, their dismay. You know, some might turn to an extra bottle of beer. Some might sign up for an extra yoga class. A lot of people, you know, are doing doing their things to get through this and take their mind off of it. And I'm sure a lot of you are also listening to your favorite tunes and your favorite music to lighten the mood. Just before you think your favorite tunes are safe... Our resident music expert here, Justin Mara, is here to ruin a song for you. All right, Mark. I'm going, I'm going way back into the annals of our adolescence. Oh, God. I've got Slide by the Goo Goo Dolls. I love the Goo Goo Dolls. I love the Goo Goo Dolls. I've Johnny seen, Resnick. I've seen them three times. Buffalo, New York. Can't go wrong. What other big band's been through Buffalo, New York? The Goo Goo Dolls. The Goo Goo Dolls. There's not a lot of big bands from Buffalo, New York. They're too cold and too busy digging snow to practice as a band. But the Goo Goo Dolls were huge in the 90s. They still tour, right? They just released another album. Did they? Yeah. Wow. They're on tour right now. Well, the, well, I mean, nobody buys those anymore. But anyway, the Goo Goo Dolls were huge. Okay, so what, 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 what ruined my adolescence, Justin? So I want to take you back to 1998. The number one movie in America is City of Angels. The number one song in America is Iris. And the Goo Goo Dolls are bigger than they've ever been before. Oh, yeah. City of Angels. That's that, that's that Nicolas Cage, Meg Ryan movie, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. We're on, they're on the bicycle? No. Are uh, they? No, they're not on the bicycle. I don't know. I never he's saw an, it. He's an angel. She's not. He gives up being an angel. He becomes human. She dies. <laughs> that's irony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Way to go, Nicolas Cage. Okay, so what's wrong with Slide by the Goo Goo Dolls? So Slide is the second track off the Goo Goo Dolls' sixth album, Dizzy Up the Girl. If you're in high school between 1998 and 2002, Slide was part of the soundtrack to your life. In fact, you probably made out to it. Uh, No. Slide reached number one on the Billboard Adult Top 40. Mainstream Top 40 and Hot 100 charts in late 1998. The Goo Goo Dolls had three songs on the Top 100 at the same time. They're the only band to ever do that. Really? Yeah. The Beatles never did that. The Beatles did not do it. Wow. Nope. Johnny Resnick has got a leg up on John Lennon. He was recently inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. The guy's got some songwriting charts. There you go. So jangly guitars, a simple catchy hook, profession of love and the promise of forever. Even Sesame Street got in on it with Elmo and uh, the Goo Goo Dolls cover of their version, Pride. Whisper in my ear, I really want to hear the things you did today that satisfied you. Elmo reached the highest show, he got just by himself, and Elmo wants to say he's filled with pride, yeah. When you uh, who doesn't love Elmo? So there's a secret code in this song, and I want to I drop this lyric for you. Don't you love the life you killed? Priest is on the phone. Your father hit the wall. Your ma disowned you. Quote Johnny Resnick. What do you think this song's about, Mark? Um, don't you love the life you killed? Pre- so we've got religion. Your parents are mad at you. 
Um, so kids in that their middle school and high school prom dancing in a circle were dancing were actually dancing about a song about murder. Johnny Resnick has gone on the record uh, during the the Goo Goo Dolls um, storytellers VH1, and uh, you can find this on uh, Genius website for song lyrics. This song is actually written about a girl that he knew in high school who had an abortion. And her boyfriend is trying to be very supportive, declaring his love for her and asking her if she wants to, quote, just let it slide and move on with their lives. Oh. So the next time you're rocking out in your bedroom or driving in your car, shout and slide, remember this podcast. That's awkward. I've just ruined this wonderful song. You know, yeah. Wow. It's incredibly awkward. I actually, this was the first song that I ever learned on a guitar to to serenade my high school girlfriend. It kind of changes things. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. On that note, Mark, um, why don't we slide on over to some news? Oh, goodness, do we have some local news. Uh, you know, as you guys, as you guys may have picked up on from the, uh, from the first podcast, this is going to be a reoccurring thing on every podcast that we do where we take, uh, local news from all around the country, not just in our home state of Rhode Island, but in everybody's state, because this is what's happening, not just on a national level, but this is what's happening in your communities. And people want to know, this is the stuff you need to know. And we're not making this news up. This isn't. Weekend update from Saturday Night Live. This is real. This is true. Just like politics, all news is local somewhere. This is true. Okay. So, I've got a story here coming at you from Santa Fe, New Mexico. And basically, this is probably one of the most unique uh, unique companies working in kitchenware I've kind of ever seen. Um, so, Justin, you know, when you're drinking coffee in the morning or you're eating your bowl of mac and cheese. I'm more of a tea guy, Mark. More of a tea guy. Okay, so when you're drinking your tea or you're you're eating lunch or you're doing the dishes, what do you typically think about? I'm usually listening to a podcast. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. Listening to podcasts is good, including this one. But uh, are you ever thinking about um, dead people? I can't say that I haven't thought about dead people. Well, I'll tell you right now, in Santa Fe, New Mexico, a company called Chronicle Cremation Designs is going to help you remember that by turning human remains into kitchenware. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, folks. There is a company that makes kitchenware, that makes ceramics out of people's loved ones who have passed away. What about what about pets? Uh, that wasn't part of the news article, but I can't see anything wrong with pets. So I'm standing over the sink, washing a dish made out of grandpa. Yeah, exactly. So basically they send customers a collection kit with instructions on how much of their deceased loved one's ashes they need to turn. And what they do is they turn the ashes into a fine powder that they mix into a, the, the glazes for the ceramic. So while... You're eating your leftover pizza or drinking a beer or 
having a tuna fish sandwich or some egg salad. Off of a dish. Eating off, technically, you're eating off of your dead loved ones. So, yeah, so just remember. I can't, I can't. And I will, and I will say this if you are going to use your pet's ashes, my suggestion would be to not use Fluffy's remains for the cat bowl for the for the bowl of cat food you're going to give to your new fluffy because that's just going to be awkward we're, we're just we're just we're all about awkwardness fluffy, in this episode. fluffy 2 fluffy 2.0 yeah yeah don't let fluffy 2.0 eat off of fluffy 1.0 all right well here's some here's some actual local news from providence rhode island where we are uh the iconic skyline of the city is in danger mark no! Yes. Providence, Rhode Island has an iconic skyline? Yes, it does, actually. So They're not getting rid of the blue, the big blue bug, are they? They're not getting rid of Nibbleswood away. Thank goodness. No, um, the, the skyline of the city is in danger. There's been a proposed um, plan to build three new skyscrapers on the old stretch of 195 that went through the city um, that would actually dwarf the Industrial Trust Building. Uh, those in the know, the Industrial Trust Building is the Superman Building, iconic from the old uh, 1940s Superman serials, which it was used as the Daily Planet. Right. Um, it's actually one of the first steel skyscrapers ever built in the United States. It even predates the the Empire State Building. How do you like that, folks? There is actually history in the state of Rhode Island. There's a lot of history in the state of Rhode Island. Absolutely. But, uh, so Superman Building actually lost its last tenant. Uh, back in 2015, and it is vacant, and uh, currently they cannot get a developer to come in and do anything with the building. Huh. So they just want to tear it down. Well, nobody's talking about tearing it down, but they can't figure out anything to do with it. It's going to be millions of dollars of repair, but certainly if they build three skyscrapers, uh, you know, that doesn't bode well for Superman. Um, It's a a focal point. It's like the quintessential New England city. It is an iconic skyline. You know, Boston's got the Customs House Tower. New York City has the Empire State Building. We've got Superman. And uh, so it's an iconic Art Deco skyscraper, and it's waiting to be developed. Uh, Providence, Providence doesn't need three skyscrapers. It doesn't make sense where they're proposing it to building, building these skyscrapers. It uh, moves the, the focal point of the city down to the waterfront by the jewelry district. It's, it just doesn't make sense. So anyways, if you're, uh, if you're interested, check it out at uh, savesupermanri.com. Uh, to make, to hopefully somebody out there will make sure that Superman does not meet its doomsday. Moving right along uh, to another fun story that we've got here. Speaking of super people, oh, that's right. This is this is me. This Sorry. is you bad again. Tra- bad transition. We're going. We're going. We're going. We're going to go two for two here. Uh, well, it's 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 a good tra- it's a good transition that we put in the wrong order. We did. So uh, this is the the story of the super baby. The super baby is born. We've been so worried about GMOs, Mark. We've missed the debate about genetically modified humans. So, okay. I mean, I'm kind of excited about a super baby. I mean, it would be awesome to have somebody who is super. Finally. Wouldn't it? I would just stand in front of them all the time and be like, kneel before Zod. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) 
So uh, the world's first baby with three genetic parents was born to a UK couple. What? Yeah. So three. three genetic, wait, wait. So ha- hang on. So they had a threesome? No. No, no, this is an, uh, a new in vitro fertilization process in which they graft half of the egg from one woman with half of the egg of another woman. Uh, okay. And then fertilize the egg so, from the, the father. So, so two, two women, women one man. man. Yeah. Yeah. Three parents. Three genetic parents. Well, I mean, that's every guy. That's every guy's dream, isn't it? I I don't know if that's quite how it's supposed to work out, or quite how people imagining it working out. Yeah, no, I get it. It's just but, it's, uh, it's, so I know that's the, not how the it point works, of but this anyway, is yeah. so this process. What it does is it actually removes all the genetic uh, defects from the parents. So let's say you've got uh, some kind of genetic disease, Hodgkin's lymphoma. You've you know. Um, Guillain-Barre syndrome, you take the egg of the person without those genetic defects, you graft it to the egg of the person with them, and, you know, Harry Potter spell later, the disease is gone. Wow. So then you could, so you can, you can literally develop the perfect human. Yeah. So this process eliminates all genetic defects from the embryo. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. That's, That's pretty groundbreaking. So, so they've been. So they, it was born to a UK couple. Yes. Not, not a you. Not, not so. A, you, not the. Not a UK, UK Trinity. trinity. Not just no, to a couple. To a couple. Yes. So, so they, they had, had a friend, friend help. So they got, they got a donor and then they they put the egg fertilized back into this person and, and then she carried the the child to term. So, Justin, tell me, did this happen in the UK? It did not happen in the UK. Did this happen in the US? It did not happen in the US. It's, it, it is illegal in the United States to perform this surgery. And so we had scientists from the US, a couple from the UK, where it is not illegal, performed in the country of Mexico. Get out of here. I am not kidding you. Oh, my goodness. This is Trump's worst nightmare. The super baby is born, and he's got Mexican citizenship, Mark. Boom. Whoa. Take that, United States of America. That's, ter- that's well, I mean, I, first of all, that's an incredible scientific breakthrough. It is. I mean, that that's, that's fantastic. I just don't. I, I just, I mean, it probably spells doom for that wall they're going to build over Mexico because Super Baby will just Super tear Baby it down. Super Baby is going to, like, throw a tantrum and just tear it down. So, does, so technically, so, wait, so is Super Baby... Super Baby has UK citizenship and Mexican citizenship. Wow. But in the U.S., no, he's still an no, illegal no, still, still undocumented illegal. Mm. Yeah. Not coming, not coming to the U.S. anytime soon. Bummer. Dang. Well, anyways... Well, that's un- well, that's unfortunate. I guess you'll just have to be isolated in. Oh, you can't stop the, the super UK. baby. No, I, I, I can, especially in a new big local restaurant that just opened up in Brooklyn, New York. Would you like me to continue? Oh, my goodness. So I don't know about you, but when I go out, I hate to socialize. Don't you, Justin? No, I actually, I don't know. I actually like socializing out in a restaurant, meeting people, getting to know the, the server. 
You like to just, you know, if there, if something's interesting happening, yeah, strike you're up sitting conversation. next to somebody, strike up a conversation, have a good time. Who knows? You might meet your new best friend. If you're a single guy, you might meet a really nice girl who's gonna who you're going to marry. If you're a single guy, you might re- meet a really nice guy who you're going to marry. Absolutely. You can you do that now. You, you can't. Absolutely. You, 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 well, you could do that. Before. You should have been able to do that before. But in other words, when you go out, you socialize and everything, and you never know who you're going to meet. You can't do that at Itcheron, New York. It's here on New York is a brand new ramen shop where if you hate people, you don't have to deal with them. The hope is you never have to have human interaction so you can just concentrate on the massive bowl of ramen soup, which but from the pictures does look delicious, by the way. Um, but you don't. But there's no waitress. No server. No. no server. You walk into what they call a flavor concentration booth, which is essentially like a voting booth. And you have an order form that you fill out. And your view of everybody is completely partitioned off. You can't see anybody. You can't interact with anybody. You're completely in your own little isolation. You're in your, you're in your own little socioeconomic bubble. And when you're ready to order, you hit a, when, when you're ready to order, you hit a server button. And the, bamba- the bamboo shade in front of you rises up, revealing a random torso in hand. This sounds like the setup to a bad joke. It probably is. But yeah, so the bamboo shade rises up, revealing a random torso and hand you hope is from somebody who works there. But you don't really know because you can't see their face. You can just see a body. But they take your order form and hopefully they give you Sometime later they come back with some ramen. They come back with ramen and close the bamboo shade so that you can eat in, uh, so that you can eat in privacy. They even have a system to signal when you're thirsty and need a beverage. There's a card you put and a button you press so that so that there's absolutely they try to zero interaction they try to eliminate all interaction completely so that introverts can just have an intimate dining experience with their delicious bowl of ramen what if you get a non-conversational bowl of ramen what would you you mean if the if the ramen is introverted too yes I don't think they thought of that yet, Justin. (laughs) (laughs) And that brings us to the last segment of our podcast this week, the pick from the Basket of Deplorables. Mark, who is this week's pick from the Basket of Deplorables? Well, there's a whole lot of people in the Basket of Deplorables this week, Justin. Oh, go big or go home, Mark. Well, we're going big, just like uh, Hillary Clinton's, one of Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign writers thought, uh, thought, Coining this phrase would would be a hit, which probably actually didn't help her too much, uh, generalizing a whole body of people like this. And we're certainly not going to do that. But there is a small percentage that is making Hillary's argument hold water. And that's all the people and all the things you've been seeing on social media lately with the rise of hate crimes since the election. Um, it's, it's really mind-blowing to see all of a sudden – and not all of a sudden, because I feel like this it, this is reality for a lot of people in this country, but now we're starting to see it. And we're starting to see increases in people thinking it's okay to run up to innocent women and grab their hijabs off their heads and stomp on them. People think it's okay all of a sudden to start painting swastikas and messages of hate all over public buildings. People think it's okay now all of a sudden to go back 60 years and tell African Americans to get in the back of the bus, um, all in the name of our 
heralded president-elect. And on the other side of that, people marching through the streets shouting expletives about the president-elect, not my president, F the president. Um, that's, that's not how our democratic system works. No. And peaceful protests are one thing, causing damage and breaking stuff and getting into fights with the police and, and causing near riots is another thing. So we're, we're all the pick from the basket of deplorables this week, Mark. It's, and it goes all the way back to what we were talking about in the beginning as far as when shock and awe and things were, are unexpected and we don't have a we, – we can't logically function or logically think of an excuse or think of a reason why it happened, we lash out. And I think it's a part of our human nature and our human instinct that is just something we've got to stop and we've got to quelm and we've got to let the greater minds and the better, better judgment uh, be, be, better judgment prevail – and do unto others as we would want done to them. It's the golden rule. It's the golden rule. And we should be following the golden rule instead of the orange rule. And if you're, as, and if you're outraged, you know, the fact of the matter is this. You should be just as outraged about the violence and the hate crimes going on in this country right now as a result of our election as you were about a dead gorilla. Harambe. Harambe. Mark, you have anything you want to plug? Um, well, hopefully in the next week or so, I'll have some new posts up on my blog at the Court of MVB. You can find that at mark-betancourt.net. And you can be following me on Twitter at the Court of MVB as well. Uh, Justin, you got anything to plug? Uh, No, no, not this week. Um, But you can follow me at ShadesJM on Twitter or on social media, facebook.com slash Music. Or at justinmarmusic.com. Sweet. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast this week. Uh, you can ch- catch us at uh, tih underscore America on Twitter because somebody already took tih America. Or you can follow us on Facebook at This Is Happening America. Or you can catch our website at thisishappeningamerica.weebly.com. And you can always email us at thisishappeningamerica at gmail.com. And no joke, we are a real podcast. You can find us on iTunes at This Is Happening America or on Google Play at This Is Happening America. Thanks so much. This is Mark. This is Justin. Signing off from somewhere in the great country of America. Bangarang. Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time.